The IMG Roadmap is the only podcast dedicated to coaching international medical graduates and success blueprints for this unique pathway. I am Dr. Nina Loom, your host, a previous IMG turned hospital medicine physician, healthcare administrator, speaker, and coach. I empower, encourage, and equip you with actionable steps that you can take towards the residency position of your dreams. Hello, 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 IMG. So today is the day. We're going to go over this form right here. It's the ERAS form. And I want you to come with a piece of paper, okay, and a pen, all right, because you're going to be taking copious notes today, notes upon notes upon notes. But another thing you can do is you can pay attention. You could just sit here and listen because this replay is going to be available on my YouTube channel. So when this is done, I'll put this video on my YouTube channel so that you can watch it, okay? So don't you worry, there will be a replay available. All right, first things first, let's go across the room and see who's on. All right, okay, Helen is in, Hindel, Stephanie, all right, okay, Anushka, Chiami, Seda. Okay, I'm butchering names today, but y'all are going to have to forgive me. Kim, it's Kim online. Kim is my assistant. Kim, please um, join us and so that we can get started. All right, so you already know who I am, but I'm gonna introduce myself. I'm Dr. Loom, okay? This is my Instagram page. This will be available on YouTube after this session is over. I'll save this video so you can watch it as many, many times as you want. You have two options. One, you can listen and then watch the replay with a piece of pen, with a piece of paper and a pen. Two, you can um, take notes, all right? So today, what I did was, this is not my form, guys. I don't own ERAS, okay? Disclaimer, ERAS is owned by somebody else. I don't know who it is, but I printed out the form um, from AAMC's website, okay? And I'll put that link to the form in the description as well. Now, the reason I do that is you can practice on this. Um, for those of you who are not applying this September, at least you know where to go. Something I like my students to do, those who are in my um, IMG Roadmap school, is I like to show them this form early on, okay? The reason I do that is because I want them to keep this in the back of their heads when they are going through life, whether it's through their rotations, their observerships, their research opportunities, because I want them to be picking experiences that they'll eventually put on here, all right? That's how you get to be intentional with your experiences. So today I'm on Instagram Live and Instagram is telling me that I should turn on my badges. So my badges are on and you can support the show by clicking on the badges. They're right down here at the bottom, okay? It says, tell your viewers about badges. So badges are a new thing that Instagram has awarded me to share with y'all. Okay, so let's get into it because I know you came here for this particular reason. So number one, in the ERAS form, okay, and I'm just gonna go straight down through. It asks for your AMC account information. It asks for your name, your gender, um, or sex, your email, your birth date, and basic information. They ask for an address, a mailing address, and a permanent address. For IMG, some of you have US addresses, and then you also have maybe an international address. I recommend that you can put your international address as your permanent address, and your current mailing address, which is where you can receive mail since you are in the US, you can receive that mail at your current mailing address, okay? For those of you who are doing rotations, observerships, and whatnot. Nobody's gonna dink you for having a foreign address, okay? That's a misconception. I don't know where it came from. I have people trying to forge their addresses, okay? And put in 
um, a U.S. address because they think that's going to increase their chances, okay? Your address is the least of Eras' concerns. They just want to know how they can get a hold of you, okay? Now, you probably saw my post a couple of days ago, and um, it mentioned uh, the four things that IMG should incorporate when they are filling out their form. One of them is factual accuracy and integrity and honesty. So everything you hear me say today, I want you to be truthful within yourself. I don't want you to, like, don't try to make things look bigger than they were. Don't try to lie and don't be inconsistent because I believe the lack of integrity is enough to result in failure, okay? I believe in honesty. I believe in saying the truth. So just keep that in the back of your head as we go through this. The second part is your work authorization, okay? It's gonna ask you whether you're authorized to work in the United States. That's straightforward. You're gonna know, okay? You're gonna know whether that's a yes or a no, okay? Okay, so for example, when I was filling out this form, I indicated that I needed a visa sponsorship, which was a J-1 visa. Some of you may be going for an H-1B, it, you know, you may not know yet, okay? So you can select all that apply. You can do H-1B or J-1 if it allows you to do both. If not, you just pick one. You can always change later on. Some of you may be in a transition, okay? You may be in a transition where you are maybe, and uh, you have an employment authorization and you're going to be switching to something else. Um, they have several options. You can choose an adjustment of status, okay? So if you have a, an employment authorization, you have that option. And if you're other, meaning if you don't see your category, right, on here, you can pick other, okay? And you can, you'll be allowed to describe what that means. So don't get, don't start freaking out about, I don't see my category on there or my legal status on there. You can add other, okay? So we'll go right into the next thing. The next thing is the match information. It asks for your NRMP match information. If you have your NRMP ID, so maybe because you applied the year prior, fine. If you don't have it, don't freak out. You will register for the NRMP. You can add that later on. Just proceed on, okay? You usually ask for the urology match AUA number for those of you applying into urology. So put that on there as well. If you are a couples match, which is some of you IMGs who are in school with your partners or you are going to participate in a couples match, this is where you indicate it. This is another question I get from IMGs all the time is, should I include um, that I'm participating in a couples match as an IMG, does that reduce my chances or does it increase my chances? The truth is nobody can predict exactly whether it changes your chances or not, okay? Uh, I think that if that's something that you and your partner want to do, you should pursue it. If you decide to apply separately and be separated and you're okay with the idea of being separated for many years, that's up to you as well. But make that a personal choice. There's no right way. You can't trick the system, right? Like you can't try to make yourself something else because you think that's gonna make you more appealing. It does not work that way, okay? If you're in a couples match, be in a couples match. If you're not in a couples match, you can leave it alone, okay? All right, so additional information. They ask for um, your ECFMG ID, which all of you would have because you have to go through the ECFMG anyways. Um, and then usually they'll ask whether you're certified in PALS, ACLS, or BLS. I've seen some IMGs go and try to get ACLS certification just so they can put it on here in August. This month, I want you to focus on things that actually make a difference, okay? Like I mentioned before, if, you're, if you haven't watched that life, the previous life, go ahead and watch it because those are the things that make a difference. Don't try to spend your time right now when you could be studying for CK, for example, or studying for step three. Those are things that would actually make a difference for you, not trying to become BLS certified in August. If you're already BLS certified, great, put it on there. If you're ACLS certified, put it on there. But if you don't have it, don't try to go out of your way this month to get it, okay? That will not serve you. That's not a good use of your time, okay? 
So um, if you have questions, drop them in the question box. We'll take them at the end of the session. All right. So now I just want to say, those of you who are in the IMG roadmap, what you'll notice is module seven is going to be way better than this live session because module seven, I actually sat down for about, I think it was over two hours, breaking down these forms. This live session today is going to be a couple minutes long. So what does that tell you? This is just a refresher for you because you have all this information in two different videos on module seven of the IMG roadmap course. You have the version I did, the most recent version, and you have a prior version. So you have a variety. Okay. So this is basically module seven in summary. So I urge you, if you're a member of the IMG roadmap school, you already have this information. Just rewatch module seven. That's the only module that you need to be preoccupied with this month is module seven. All right. Um, so yes, you have a section for ACLS and BLS certification if you have it and it asks for your expiration information and that is under additional information. Okay. It is on the ERAS form itself. This link will be included in the replay in the bottom. So you can download this form if you don't already have access to it, but it's free. It's on AMC's website as well. Okay. The next sheet that they want you to fill out is your language fluency. If you speak more than lang one language, this is a perfect place to put it. There are so many languages on there. You can pick and choose what you want. Okay. And that being said, you know, if your language is not on there and you really want the people to know, again, you have an option of other. Okay. Nobody's going to ding you for speaking 10 languages. Nobody's going to ding you for speaking one language. It's just a matter of showing and telling who you are. Okay. So let's get into the next question, which is the military information. For those of you who are in the military, that's a good thing. I think being in the military is a great thing. People look at it positively, especially in the U.S. It's a badge of honor. For, you know, it's a sign of patriotism. There's just so many benefits to it. So yeah, do include that on there and do describe your military obligations. There are some programs that want, will want to honor a military person. So include that on there if you're U.S. IMG who has that background. Whether it was before, whether you have long left the army, I think that that's a very valuable experience, especially in the culture that we live in, that honors that, that you should definitely do the same. Okay? Dr. Risha, I see your question regarding um, memberships. We'll get to that when we get to memberships. Okay? So uh, the next portion of your application usually would ask about hobbies, interests. Okay. This is an area that I feel like IMGs, we want to skip it. And most of us want to skip it because we come from different cultures. All right. This is for non-US IMGs specifically. We come from cultures where hobbies and special interests and non-academic um, things are not celebrated. Right. And so we think that, hey, you know, it's not a, it's, it's not a big deal. We don't have to talk about it. No, you do. Because your hobbies could be the one area in which someone else can relate with you. Okay. So what do I mean by that? Your hobby, for example, could be an area that becomes an icebreaker during an interview. Okay. I've had students that have gone to uh, interviews and their hobbies be will be the first thing that the person asks them about. Maybe because they share a hobby in common or maybe because it's just an icebreaker, right? It's easier to ask somebody about the last time they went skiing as a first question than to try to ask him, tell me about yourself because people are more comfortable talking about things that don't make them anxious, right? So your hobbies could be an icebreaker. And I usually say, don't just say, I like watching movies, right? That's like, okay. Find something unique or special about yourself, okay? Did you climb uh, Mount Kilimanjaro before? So instead of just saying hiking, it would be hiking. Uh, my most remarkable experience was uh, hiking Mount Kilimanjaro, for example, right? Or 
It could be traveling, okay? And then you could include, I've traveled to over 26 countries. Something that makes you stand out. It becomes a factor of interest, right? People want to know those things just because they serve as icebreakers and they make you look normal, okay? Now, hometown is another area that I've seen some I'm just leave blank. Well, you have a hometown. Everybody does have a hometown. Please include your hometown. You may be, your application might be getting reviewed by somebody from your hometown, for all I care. Like, your application could be getting reviewed by somebody who loves your hometown, okay? So just put it on there, because it's the truth. Um, Swati's asking, can cooking be a hobby? Yes, if it's your hobby, it's your hobby. But I wouldn't just say cooking. I would say cooking, but I'm great at Italian or Indian or Cameroonian cuisine, okay? That's what I would say. Or I was a contestant in uh, Top Chef, okay? That's what I would say. Just because cooking is a regular activity, but you can show how it's a hobby for you, right? Because maybe you cook a different kind of cuisine than what would be expected of you, right? So that's what I'll, that's how I would approach it. So Balaramia, uh, I see a question regarding courses. We'll talk about that when we're under that section. So higher education. Um, under higher education, they want you to talk about multiple entries for undergraduate or graduate schools you've attended. So this is if the question regarding courses. So if it is a degree producing uh, course program, for example, a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, a PhD, an MD and whatnot, this is where you include that. Not your, you know, I took a 24 hour online course on something like that's not what they're asking for. They're asking for undergraduate or graduate studies or a degree producing program. Now, for those of us who come from another part of the world, we may have just maybe a one-time MBBS, right? Or a one-time MD that you get after seven years, then that's it. That's what you put on there, okay? You're not gonna fabricate something else. You don't need to be something else. You are enough as you are. So just put what you have as your qualification, okay? Um, if your ACLS was done anywhere, it's ACLS, you put it on there. If it's expired, you put the expiration date, okay? That's what you do. Um, so again, ACLS, BLS, you're going to, when you start residency, they will make you take ACLS and BLS as part of your orientation. So it's not a requirement for residency application. They just want to know what your background is, if you have the certifications already, okay? So every residency program offers ACLS and BLS during orientation. So don't even fret about that. You don't need to go try to get ACLS and BLS right now. It's the least of your concerns. Like I shouldn't say the least of your concerns. You have more things to be worried about than trying to get ACLS certification when you're still going to get it anyways as a resident. Okay. Um, what if you have left undergraduate degree for MD? Well, then you don't have one, right? So you're not. You're going to put whatever coursework that you did, right? Maybe you could put your undergraduate, but then instead of checking degree obtained, you're gonna say no, because you didn't ex you didn't get a degree. So it, it specifically has institution, it has education type, it has degree expected or earned. So it's gonna be a no, because your degree was never earned, okay? Degree expected or earned is a no. If yes, you put the degree, because you didn't have one, you're not gonna put a degree, because you didn't have one. Dates of attendance, you're gonna put the month and the year, and it will clearly say on there, maybe it was a one year or two year time frame, okay? So CMEs are not degree programs, okay? CMEs are not degree programs. Um, can a research fellowship be mentioned in higher education? Yes, so I think a research fellowship can go under work experience, okay? I think that's where it best it's best suited because they clearly say higher education. Please read, guys. Always read. Use your eyes to read. 
This section allows for multiple entries for each undergraduate and graduate school you have attended. Okay? That's what they say on there. They don't say, tell me about every learning experience that you've had. They ask for undergraduate and graduate. And the equivalent of that in another country is any degree program that you've done, either a bachelor's, master's, PhD, MD, whatever. Okay? They're not asking how many courses you've taken. That's a different question for another day, and it's not on here right now. So read and answer the question that's being asked of you, okay? Now, you have a separate section for medical education, and that's where you put your medical school, okay? So for those of you that have six-year, seven-year programs, well, maybe you don't have a degree to put on here, right? But you can put your medical school, which is a six- or seven-year curriculum, and it's the equivalent of what you did, of what is being done in the U.S., so that is fine, okay? That is fine. All right, so um, someone says, I have a post-grad diploma in OBGYN, but the drop-down menu in that section does not have that option. Then you can put it under work experience because you do have that experience. And then in your description, you will describe it as a post-grad diploma in OBGYN obtained over a period of three years at University of XYZ. I learned how to be, or I was trained to be an OBGYN in that country for XYZ years. All right, that's how you describe that. All right, medical training extended or interrupted? Yes, so when you fill out the medical education part, there's a box under that asks you whether your medical training was extended or interrupted. So if your training was indeed extended or interrupted, yes, you have to include that. You have to be honest. And that takes us to the other part, the thing that brought you here, which was my post yesterday. I clearly said, we're gonna focus on being precise, we're gonna focus on having integrity, and we're gonna focus on being honest, and we're gonna offer factual accuracy, meaning, we're not going to spend the time explaining a whole paragraph long of why our, our medical education was interrupted. What we're going to do is we're going to make it concise, precise to the point. Okay, are you, are you with me? So what does, that, what does that mean? If you came and you had to wait for a change of status and whatnot, like in my case, I came to the States, did a Kaplan course, and then took step one, and then had to change my status because I was on a... Um, I was on the F1 for Kaplan course and then had to change to B1, B2 in order to be able to do my clinical rotations at several U.S. hospitals. So I had a period of a couple of months there where I was just in limbo. When they asked me what, what my medical school interruption was, I did put that on there. I said, yes. And I put in, I put in actually three reasons. I put in medical education was interrupted for one, financial reasons, because I had to wait for my tuition to become available to continue to pursue my education. Number two, actually, I also had transferred medical school. So I put my second reason for was to transfer medical schools in order to get better clinical opportunities for rotations. Okay, so higher quality rotation opportunity. And then number three, I had to switch my um, immigration status in order to continue to pursue my medical career in the U.S. Period. That's, that's how I explained it. I put, yes, medical education was interrupted for three reasons. Reason number one, financial. Number two, uh, immigration number three was to change schools in order to obtain better opportunity the key there was to always make myself look like I was seeking better okay so I didn't give excuses I always made it appear as to give a reason that somebody else can understand and I was very precise and short and honest too. financial reasons it was the truth I didn't have the money so what did I do I had to take some time off to wait for my parents to generate the income to allow me to continue my education I mean, like how, I mean, that's my, that's the truth. That's what happened to me. That's why my education was interrupted. So you can use the same cues um, in your life. 
Now, additional information. You have membership in professional societies, medical school awards, and other awards and accomplishments. And they give you a character maximum for a reason, right? You have 255 characters for your membership, 510 characters, 510 characters for your awards. I think you shouldn't crowd this area because you can save your characters for when you're describing your work experiences, especially those of you who have like these alternative things that you've done. Maybe you did a residency in your country or you did some other training in your country or you worked in several hospitals in your country. Capture that under work experience. If you can't capture it under undergrad and graduate, capture it under work experience. But for membership, someone had asked um, above in the questions that can you mention, should you get a membership in uh, professional societies? I think that memberships show your commitment to the specialty. And there are certain specialties that ranked commitment to the specialty higher up. Like program directors from those specialty rank that higher up as to who they invite for interview, okay? So when you show interest in the specialty, your application, the way that it reads and your experiences speak to how you are continuing to improve yourself in that specialty and how you're continuing to add to the specialty. So maybe you presented a poster, or maybe you're just a general member. It shows that you're trying to keep up with what's going on in the specialty. It'll be hard to convince me, right? That uh, say, for example, I, I'm, I want to be a general surgeon and and I'm not a member of American College of Surgery. It'll be really hard to convince me, but, the, but yet I'm a member of like AAFP, right? It'll be really hard to convince me that you, you want to be a general surgeon because all general surgeons are, oh, at least most of them, seek to be members of the American College of Surgeons, right? They don't seek to be members of the American College of Physicians, right? They want to be members of the college that acknowledges them and teaches them and improves their section of medicine and surgery. So think about it as whatever you're putting on your form is a way to represent your commitment to the specialty, okay? Um, so... Awards, medical school awards, if you were awarded anything in medical school and you have the paper for it, you put it on there. Other awards or accomplishment, that just means any accomplishments. Even from your undergraduate days, you got an accomplishment and an award for something, put that on there. Did you win employee of the month? Put that on there. It says other awards or accomplishments. So you can put other non-medical awards on there. So a three-month transplant course is not a degree, it's a work experience, okay? You can put that on the work experience. Um, so experience, or if it was a work experience, that is, because I don't know if it was. If you were sitting on your computer and doing a transplant course for three months, it, you know, it may or may not qualify. So that, that's also dependent on that. And that's why I usually tell people that don't just go doing everything because you think it's going to make you competitive. I've had students that go and try to, um, you know, maybe become, uh, what's the word? They go try to get more degrees, right? Um, they, they try to get more degrees so that they can uh, say that they have a, batch, a master's and another. no, sometimes those things aren't even required of you. Do things because you have a desire to do them and because you have a plan around how that would influence your career, not because you think that, that would make you competitive, okay? That's just the wrong approach. So training experience is the next thing they ask about and they want you to put in prior AOA, ACGME residence, okay? or as RCPSC, UCNS fellowships, okay? So if you had one of these, you would know. If you don't have it, then you don't have it. Um, and they want to know regardless whether you dropped out or not. So some of you that are replying in the match, if you did a PGY1, preliminary, transitional, this is where you represent that, okay? Um, so this is exactly where you represent that. Um, CME, you can put that under, it, like it's CME is not a requirement for residency. If you really want to put it somewhere, you can put it under other. Okay, but it's not it's not a degree program. 
Everybody has CME. Sitting in front of a computer for one hour and getting a certificate doesn't necessarily mean much um, as far as uh, the grand picture of your application. But if you really press to put it, you can put it under other. Um, obviously, that's where you can fit. That's what it would best be best suited for. Would be under other accomplishments. Okay. So experience. Um, so this is really a key area. Okay. It says clinical and teaching experience should be treated as work experience. Include all unpaid extracurricular activities and community and committees on which you have served as volunteer experience. So if you were not paid for the position, um, that's a volunteer experience. If it was extracurricular, that's a volunteer experience. If you were in a clinical or teaching role, it should be treated as work experience. Um, so if you worked in your country for 10 years before you moved to the States, that's work experience. If you did a fellowship in your country, a residency, that's work experience, okay? Um, that's exactly what that is and it asks for your position your duration description is a key area there are three things i want you to do in your description that's where factual accuracy comes into play i want you to be accurate about what you did and be honest and have integrity but the best way to capture your description is using action verbs okay so using action verbs and descriptive terms all right and then also beginning with capturing in a sentence your time spent your role okay the actions that you took and ending with the lessons that you learned so for example you worked in a forensic science lab for one year um you could explain that as a 12-month experience working as an assistant forensic scientist assist period right full stop assisted in autopsies you know uh tissue retrieval yada yada right whatever that was period i learned how to harvest organ whatever that was for you okay i learned how to xyz okay and then reason for leaving completed experience or moved on to the next job which was the next thing that you're going to include so always describe using descriptive terms i think numbers make a really big difference because it's quantifiable to say you know i performed 120 autopsies or assisted in 120 autopsies for example um it's easy to say i uh saw a thousand patients over a three-month period as part of a study okay i was a data collector for a large clinical trial where i you know enrolled 1200 people or 1200 men and women into a trial okay um, I learned about the basics of data collection in research. Reason for leaving completed experience. All right, you see what I'm go you see what I'm getting. Your description could be a bullet point or a paragraph. Nobody cares. The most important thing is that you describe it in the way that I have explained it to you. You capture quantifiable things. You capture descriptive terminology. You use action verbs, and you end with the lessons learned. Nobody cares if you write bullet points or paragraphs. Your message should go across. You should describe what you did and be able to transmit a message. All right, you're gonna do that all throughout work experience. You're gonna do that all throughout volunteer experience. And then you're also going to do that um, even under your observerships, your clinical rotations, whatever that is, okay? You're gonna put all that information on there. Now, um, they ask you if you've been convicted of a felony in the United States, okay? If you have, please be honest and truthful because background checks are still a thing, right? Um, and then they ask if you're able to carry out the responsibilities of a resident intern fellow in the specialties at the specific training program to which you're applying in, all right? So it's an assertion that you're willing. And then if you're board certified in, a, in another specialty in the U.S., 
um, you can put that on there. D, or even in Canada, I believe. Um, DEA registration number, if you have one. Again, if you don't have a DEA, you don't need to go find one, right? If you don't have one, you don't have one. Skip it and move on. You'll get a DEA as part of your um, training when you become a resident, okay? So publications, this is a key area. There's several kinds of publications on here. Um, you have peer-reviewed journals and abstracts. Um, uh, peer-reviewed journals and abstracts other than published. Peer-reviewed book chapters, scientific monographs, other articles. So some of you may not have peer-reviewed, but you may have other articles. Please utilize that. Just make sure you have the title of the article included, right? Okay. And then you make sure that you capture the author, the publication name, and the publication date. So this may be the month where you have to go back and ask people you worked with, right, about um, your publications, okay? So that's a key factor to keep in mind. All right. So if you are someone asked, what if you're board certified in Europe? If your board has a name, you can put yes, and you can put the name of the board on there. As long as it's verifiable information, because you are board certified somewhere by someone, right? So if you're board certified in plastic surgery in Bulgaria, you just put that on there and you put the association's name because maybe you're still actively in clinical practice there. I don't see anything wrong with that. You are being factual, okay? You have integrity, you're being honest. The key is not in telling a lie, right? As long as the board name is there, it could be the Bulgarian Board of Plastic Surgery. Please put that on there, okay? Uh, if you help edit a whole book, what type of publication is that? Did you help edit or did you write the book? Because if you did not write the book and your name is not on the book, you can't take credit for the book, okay? Um, you can only take credit for work that you published. Key point. Poster presentation. This is like the easiest thing that you can get as a student. Everybody can get a poster presentation. It's as easy as a case. And I teach this in the Andrew Romap course time and time again. Easiest thing to do, find an interesting case, do a poster on it, present it at a local conference, present it even now on a virtual conference for your society, all right? Because you're a member of your organization, right? Um, oral presentations, another easy way. Whether it's an oral presentation in front of a conference, a morbidity mortality presentation, a grand round, not just sitting amongst your friends in class and talking about a case. That is not an oral presentation, okay? Oral presentation takes work, it takes a literature review, it takes, and even those of you who have done literature reviews and presented it at conferences, that's still work. As long as that work is discoverable on the internet or in the place that you claim that you did the work, okay, that is worth it. So if someone's asking if your abstract is submitted but not published, where do you add that? You can put that under other because it's not yet published. There's actually a section that says other than published. So abstracts other than published under peer-reviewed journals. So it's peer-reviewed, but it's not yet published. And so you put that on there. And under publication status, you're going to say not yet published, okay? Um, if you presented my research as a poster, which is now published, can I mention it twice? Well, it's yours. You, if that's the only one you have, you can put it as to the date you did it as a poster and as the date that you did it as a research, okay? Because you have it in two formats. All right. Uh, any certificate of training like ultrasound. So that would be other accomplishments, okay? So if you have your ultrasound uh, certified, it'll be other accomplishments. Or if you got a degree in it, then it will fall under education. If you worked as an ultrasound technician or whatnot, then you'll be a work experience, okay? Um, if you wrote a few chapters of the book, yes, provided that you are on the book, in the book as a chapter author, then you will put that under the peer, and it, it was it a peer-reviewed book? That's the next thing, not just the casual book, right? Um, if not, you can put that under other other articles. Um, peer-reviewed online publications, which are really easy to get. Um, so 
if you did a peer-reviewed online publication, you can do that. Non-peer-reviewed online publication is another area where you may fall under because it's non-peer-reviewed, okay? And then you're going to certify your form, and that's it. So module seven of the IMG Roadmap course, which is how to fill out the ERAS form, is available for all my students. So this live today was a brief 30-minute summary of filling out the form, but the detail and the teaching is in that module where we really sit down and we break it down, okay? Um, so, guys, uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for being a part of this, okay? If your article is on PubMed, it's an online publication. It's an online peer-reviewed, so you can put that under. If it's non-peer-reviewed, there's a section for that, or peer-reviewed, okay? Um, if, you're, if your name is in a large trial, again, it's an online publication. You just make sure you have the URL and you put that on there as well, all right? The key is to go back into your life. Go back into your memory and dig deep. A lot of you have done so much good work, but you don't even recognize it. I was coaching an IMG yesterday and I asked him, do you have any publications? And he says, no, I'm like, wait, you went to university in Nigeria and you had to do a thesis at the end of your medical school. So how do you not have a publication? Didn't you publish your thesis? Because all thesis, they get to write up a, a really large book, it gets published. And it's like, yes, I did that. I'm like, that's a publication, okay? Because that was peer reviewed by people at university. You had to do a defense for it. It got published somewhere in the archives of the university. So things like that, some IMGs aren't even thinking about it anymore. Um, because we are so focused on thinking that we have to be a certain way to be appealing. No, you just have to be yourself and you have to be proud of who you are and what you have done. And you need to be able to speak about what you have done and defend the work that you have done because nobody else can do that work for you, okay? Nobody else can do that work for you. If you really enjoyed this, support the badges down here, okay? And join me in the IMG Roadmap course where you can gain access to all my teaching modules, where I really go in depth with in the last module, teaching you how to fill out this ERAS form. August 26th, I'll be seeing some of you out there in the, um, in the live session that we're gonna have, doing again another demo of filling out the form live, and some of you will be reviewing your forms. Don't come to the session with an empty form, okay? Have your work already done, so when we're going over it, you're just making changes as we go along, okay? So, observership, hands-on experience, yes, they go into work experience, okay. All right, um, I hope that helps you answer your question. Observership, um, clinical rotations that were after your medical degree, um, best suited under work experience, okay. All right, um, I think that brings us to the end. Thank you guys for watching, and as always, you can slide in my DMs anytime you have questions and doubts. Thank you, thank you, thank you.